0: Hello and welcome to the Decking Awesome podcast. My name is Owen and I'm joined by the awesome Kira, and Brian.
1: Hey. Hello.
0: Today we are debating one versus many board games. This proposition of this debate is do one versus many board games reduce fun? On the pro side is a real professional nitpicker, but today is doing it for free. It's Brian. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) On the con side is a true con artist looking to steal the win today. It's Kira. Hello.
2: Uh,
0: Each person will get to lay out their argument before the other person gets a chance to refute it. For the opening statements, we're going to start off with Brian.
1: Cool. So we are debating the one player versus many players game as opposed to debating one board game versus many board games because arguing that one board game is Less fun than lots of board games. It's going to be a really tough sell. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But for the one player versus all players, I think it's great. I don't know why people wouldn't like it. First of all, it adds a whole extra level of strategy to it. You do have to think about, you know, if, if, if you know from the start that you're the one person, you have to kind of plan for fighting against a team. If you're part of the team, then you know that the person you're fighting against is going to be super powered or is going to have a lot of big advantages just to balance it out. So you do have to try and work together. So it adds an extra element of strategy, whatever way you slice it. If you know you end up with a secret role that makes it one versus many, then you know it it adds a social deception element to the game and. The likes of Resistance or Secret Hitler and things like that. Those kind of social deception games are always great fun. So, you know, why not? Why not add the secret little, oh, who's the enemy? You're the enemy. No, it's definitely you. Because I know, especially playing with you two, that you are instantly going to accuse each other. Even if there's no evidence, there's (laughs) nothing to suggest that that either of you is even remotely the bad guy. You're immediately going to accuse each other. And when I'm inevitably... The villain in us it. it's great because you two just point fingers at each other constantly <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're hitler no that's through the board game <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> and i mean there's there's no reason not to like it i mean most games are one v all anyway just in these type of games you're everyone is working together so really,'s philosophical, see it as, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really aren't we all against each other in the grand scheme of things? But, I mean, it's win-win. either way. So if you're playing as a as the solo player and you win, then boom, you've crushed a team. If you are playing as a solo player and you lose, then you know, oh sure, I was up against like Four of you, I was never gonna win. But if you're playing as the co-op, then if you win, you're like, yeah, we really worked together and we crushed him despite all his advantages. And if you lose, you can just go, the solo guy was too powerful. Look at all the advantages he had. It is win-win, win-win-win. It doesn't matter what way you slice slices. All v one or one v all is better.
0: Yeah, some interesting points there. Definitely touched on things like uh, strategy and secret roles and then this whole kind of concept of, uh, of one versus all. Very cool, Brian. To counter this, we have the opening statement of Kira.
2: So I'm not a big fan of one versus all. I actually dislike playing them most of the time. I find that the one v all isolates the one. I think that things like in Dead of Winter where you're siding with zombies or you're just effectively, whatever you do, if you're going against a group, you're... You have to side with the bad guy. You have to be part of the enemy. And I think that after building up, like... In those games, you want to build up a co-op relationship. You want to build up, like, a fun, let's work together, let's be great. And then you have somebody who's just betraying you. It feels like a betrayal. And then it feels like the person who is the the one on the opposite side of the playing table is always, like, slightly excluded. It can be quite lonely. It's like uh, in D&D even DMs are on their own, they can't really talk to the players about how great such and such was because the players will never know what's on the other side of that situation. They'll never know the background or what went into it or what could have happened or what couldn't have happened uh, until way after the situation or the whole thing is over. But for the whole game, they're just on their own. And I just hate that sense of isolation. I play board games to be together with people to be talking to them and to be all in the same situation. And I just think that I don't play board games to be isolated. And then I also think that the distribution of resources and gameplay rules can be really uneven in a one v all game. People, you can't all get equal resources because the one has to either get more resources or have to apply different rules. And then it's very hard for people to always keep in mind all the different rules that you're playing with or feel not feel like hard done by. in Like in a game like Betrayal House on the Hill where you get a limited amount of resources and sometimes you get all the right things and sometimes you get all the wrong things. And there's just a lot of luck required in that to win. And it just doesn't feel like you're getting a fair chance because... It's it's really unbalanced and uneven and it's supposed to be that way and the game designers designed it that way. But I just don't feel like I get the full feeling of the game from it. I just, random luck has too much to say in it. And yeah, the different rules are hard to keep track in your head and I'm quite a smart person normally or at least some of the time anyway. I still find having different rules for different players a really weird scenario to be in. And I don't enjoy having having that that situation.
1: Well, you heard it here first, guys. D and D doesn't work. Give back the manuals. Let's go. We can go home. It doesn't work because it's all against the DM.
2: <laughs> I love D and D. I'm just saying that I think that as a, when I'm a DM, it's quite lonely. Like you guys don't know what's going to happen in Storm King's Thunder. You're all floofing about being players.
1: I could know, but you won't let me cheat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> True. I won't.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that that
0: isolation of the players is a kind of a very cool concept uh, because especially as playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons as a DM, I do feel the players tend to forget that the DM is also a player, which is kind of a pretty fundamental thing. Obviously the DM has a totally different set of rules and they're playing almost a separate game. But Brian, what do you feel about the isolation aspect of it? This separation between the the uh, it's almost like as if that one person is playing a different game
1: i don't know like I, you guys clearly have a different experience as a dm to me because you guys are looking at being a dm as being a a one player and you're part of it but you're not part of it when i'm dming i look at myself as a god i have complete control over you Was was, was that a bit of sass oh <laughs> horde of bears running at you
2: does that make Boom. for a better game though? <laughs> because you're if you play in a god style, then you're just like you make for a really unbalanced other player. You make the world seems like you can't win because the the god DM is just gonna throw out some sort of horde of bears that you're and you're a level one character.
1: How dare you use my own point against me in this debate?
2: <laughs> How dare you? I just feel okay, that, that's a, yeah. That's a fair point, yeah. I don't like power playing. If, if it's one-be-all and the one is a power player, I guess in board games there's rules that maybe limit that somewhat more, that they can't ru- ruin the game. Not that I've had much experience with DMs who are power players, despite <laughs> Brian's uh, claims. Um but I just feel that at least it's limited in board games. So that makes it a bit easier. Definitely in things like Descent and stuff where there's only so much the DM can do. They only have so many turns. They can't just throw out a hundred new characters because there are rules. So I guess it's better in board games if you do have a power player.
1: To to I suppose because I went off on a godlike rant. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I suppose it is a bit isolationist when you are playing as a one person. But like... At the same time I don't think you're you're by yourself like you're still playing the game with these people. You're still sitting around the same table, you're still having fun and you know it it adds an extra element of fun because you know you're getting much more powerful cards than your partners or you know you might be able to see more of the game or more of the strategy than they can see and I mean you get different advantages you're still playing like I mean if you are playing a one v all game and it ends with none of you talking to each other for the rest of your lives then maybe one v all wasn't for you but (laughs) I think in the spirit of board games you're still gonna walk away afterwards and go oh that was great I really enjoyed that.
0: It's kind of almost like a variety of board game types where someone could sprinkle this in rather than it being the mainstay. Because like you said, like with isolation and alpha gaming and power gaming, if that's the only game, the only board game you played, there could become hostilities. But with a sprinkling, it could help out. Kira, what do you think of, you know, because everyone hates computers. What about if you use an app as the alpha gamer, the power gamer in some of these board games and then everyone can hate computers? (laughs) instead of hating people
2: <laughs> well doesn't everyone hate computers <laughs> <laughs> so i think uh, i guess games like mansions of madness i really enjoy like i think we played a lot of we have a few expansions for mansions of madness and we've played a lot of the levels in those and i really enjoy that but that's because like i guess from my perspective the game is all about the interaction between the people there and not necessarily always about the winning and the the Yeah, the bad guy's been an app, then there is no one who's isolated. You're all against the computer. The apps might not be as good as people, and they might not be as clever as a person could be if they were really good at being the one be all style player. But I really enjoy when it's an app. I really like that's one of my favorite style co ops where it's adaptable a little
1: bit the, the app is great like it's it does but it just it just makes it a co-op game then it's not a one v all game and like the the app lacks the ability to kind of adapt or adjust so like if you're playing a game versus the app and you know you definitely already have the upper hand and you're clearly going to win whatever the scenario is the app can't just bang out a different card or change tactics or do something different. It's just going to follow what it's programmed to do. It, it kind of, it takes away the fun of it. If you know you're going to win, it doesn't adapt. It doesn't change. It doesn't try to beat you. It just does what it's told.
2: Have we ever easily won Manchester of the Madness out of curiosity?
1: Mansion of the Madness <laughs> is not in question at
2: the moment. <laughs> it is a game
1: that we have pulled out our hair trying to beat, but other games that might go against an app that would be easy
2: okay okay fair enough
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think you bring it up this whole thing of improvisation
0: and uh, apps not being able to kind of roll with the punches where so kira in games where it's like all against the board game, such as pandemic what are what's your opinion on improvisation where the gameplay could be too scripted and easy to control
2: well i think pandemic is a is an absolutely brilliant game we love it i think we did another podcast on it as well we love it that much <laughs> <laughs> but we do win a lot in the basic gameplay like it, it's like really rare for us to lose when we just play a normal game of pandemic even with like ha- we have all the pandemic or epidemic cards in and but that's i guess the joy now of pandemic is in the legacy part of it and maybe it was a little bit too easy at the start but not everyone found that like online it seems to have mixed reviews on on whether it's easy or hard a lot of that is to do with luck and I realized that it's it being just a like a a, a non-smart bad guy does but I wouldn't enjoy pandemic as much if it was one if there was a person being the pandemic they they would have a lot of power which is great and it would probably be an okay game to have another person in because because they there's a lot they can do they can kind of you know choose how it spreads but then it wouldn't really be a pandemic it would more be some sort of evil government poisoning people and spreading some sort of pandemic to the nation which i think will have a very different team really whereas pandemic <laughs> is more random so you know and you know you're just blaming a virus on pretty much everything bad that happened in the world which is right now very very true to life yeah
0: there there actually is an expansion to pandemic where you become a bioterrorist not super popular i think the team really gets up people i've yeah, the whole team itself because of covid is uh is, is touchy it's touchy right now <laughs> oh <laughs> but-
2: and the sorry the the expansion of the legacy games do have the advantage that the fact that you have an impact on your board and over the longer term does make it much harder and you only have yourself to blame
1: but you so like you like co-op games like pandemic like a a one v all is just a co-op game except instead of playing against the board or an app you're playing against a person you just don't like being the one person you're in favor of the games as long as you're not the lone player.
2: That's not true. So if you think about it, betrayal on the house on the hill, I haven't been the one player ever, and I still don't like that game.
1: Betrayal on the house on the hill. Once once that person is revealed as the monster, they just kick our ass. I just don't think we're good at betrayal on, house no, on the Hill.
2: No, once Matt lost terribly, I'd feel like, or maybe it was own. Was it? Who was it? Somebody lost terribly, and they, because everyone else had all the cards that they needed, and. Like it just felt like that game just deteriorated really quickly. As soon as the one was revealed, everything everything on the board was set up against that person. Like they had no hope.
1: So is that a criticism of one V All or is that a criticism of the individual game? That could
0: be it could it could be both. But so the maybe betrayal in House of the Hill isn't the best example for this. But yeah, this whole comparison between improvisation and strategy of the board games in one versus all games. Uh, it's kind of interesting because I know you mentioned it in your opening statements, Brian, how the strategy of one versus all is very fun which uh, it, it is. do you uh, what's your opinion on is the strategy does the strategy make up for this improvisation issue that you can hit in with apps in board games or even just with people with like that's kind of st- in, in, especially in betrayal and the house of the hill where you're kind of st- stuck with what you get there's very little improvisation. The person can do
1: like in betrayal on house on the hill you know you don't know who's going to become the the monster that's ultimately going to fight against all of you so i like that you have to kind of you have to kind of work together to get through the game but also you don't want to work too closely with someone in case you find yourself isolated and instantly murdered so, so i do like that that you have to kind of you have to kind of adapt your strategy instead of it being just a wholehearted co-op game where you're all working together and all trying to get a goal accomplished. Now you have to kind of think laterally as well. You have to think kind of, what if this turns on me? What if this doesn't work? You know, what if I'm the monster? I don't want to be boxed away or instantly lose. You know, it's it's fun being the, it's it's fun adding the extra element of strategy, the extra, extra element of thinking that you have to try and work everything out. Like in, in games where you know from the start, like Dare to Dream is, is a game by friends of ours. And it's a, it's a really fun game where you're, you're trying to get kids to fall asleep and they're trying to stay awake and they've got little toys defending themselves and stuff like that. It's, it's great fun. And like, it's very well balanced to, you know, that anyone could win it. Like it could be, it could be the kids, it could be the one player. And, but like having to think differently also gives the game a lot of replayability because if you're playing by as the one player, or you're playing as the all players, it's going to be different each time.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree.
2: What about when though you're the one player and like you want the bad things to happen? Like, you know, do you like the story's woven in these board games, like Dead of Winter, where you're trying to protect the people and defend the town against the zombie apocalypse? The story is is woven in such a way that. You're siding with the survivors of the zombie apocalypse. Like you don't want to be the bad guy. I don't like being the bad guy. But if you're the betrayer or if there is a betrayer in the game, then you're siding with the zombies. You know, you you're what everything you do to sabotage the base is something to help the zombies like break through the the defenses.
1: Maybe maybe we need a good zombie apocalypse. Who knows? Who knows? We won't know until uh, we won't know until it happens. But like it, it's fun though because that you see that's the social deception element coming in again, where you know you can play like four or five rounds with playing along like you're on everyone's side, and then boom, just when it's critical, you throw in a thing, and no one has any clue. They're like, oh, we obviously don't have a betrayer, and then boom, betrayed out of nowhere, and people might play it off like, oh, you know, I just didn't have any of the useful cards, so I'm just getting rid of the bad ones. Maybe they're the betrayer, maybe they're genuinely not. It adds a whole new round of accusing each other and i've seen i've seen the joy in your eyes as the two of you accuse each other of being on the resistance team i do not even pretend that you don't love blaming each other for everything going wrong <laughs>
2: that's a very separate issue though <laughs> that that's has I, nothing to very, do with
1: <laughs> that's a very sibling thing as well though i think because when we play or when we play with my sisters we're always accusing each other as well so
2: Siblings clearly right. think the other is evil at all points in their <laughs> life.
1: Historical evidence.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's true as well.
0: So, uh yeah, Kira. So one of the things that I like about this kind of secret role, like Brian was talking about, this traitor mechanic is that is the final reveal at the end. Even if it isn't you, Okay, if it is someone else, I love the fact that everyone is on under the seats to find out who was the traitor. Was the the assumptions correct that people made throughout the game? Everyone probably figured out or like guessed a specific way, uh, and were they hoodwinked? So, is that is that fun of the secret role not worth uh, having this kind of mechanic?
2: For me, no. I'm not. A, I don't sit around waiting for the final reveal. I just feel disappointed in everyone who's bad. Who made bad choices with their lives? <laughs> <laughs> I want people to be good, even if they're the betrayer. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, maybe Brian could defend this more.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, the absolute vindication. Like, even if. The betrayer, like if, if I'm part of the co-op team, I'm on the good side of it all and we lose the game and at the end of it, the betrayer flips over the card and goes, boom, it was me all along. That vindication, that feeling, though, even though you've lost the game, you're like, I knew it. Even though I've accused everyone across the whole table at some point, it's like, <laughs> I knew it. I know I accused everyone else, but secretly, deep down, I knew it was you the whole time. And I feel like that really adds an element of fun to the game, because even though you've lost, you're not going, oh, damn, you know, we could have won that. You're going, yes, I knew it was you. I knew it was, didn't I I say it was you? And then you still have the whole big debate afterwards with everyone accusing everyone of, oh, you should have known. And you did know, and I knew, but we didn't believe you. But you believed me. You should have believed me. And (laughs) I... Like half of the fun of those type of games where you discover who the betrayer is right at the end is the half an hour conversation afterwards where you're all still accusing each other somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian, Kira does bring up
0: a good point about the traitor mechanic though, which is that it can take away the focus of the story. Obviously, it depends on what kind of story we're trying to say. But for Dead of Winter, for example, the traitor mechanic does take up the brunt of the uh kind of focus by players rather than you know surviving in a zombie apocalypse and so do you feel like if can it be not annoying for players once the trade once the trader mechanic is brought in that it's kind of distracting people from it
1: yeah yeah i suppose you're right like the the trader mechanic is a full moon but if you know if you don't like playing as the trader you know you have the advantage in dead of winter i suppose of knowing from the start that you're the traitor, not like betrayal where you find out halfway through, but like if you really want, you know, if you really don't want to play the traitor, you can always just ask, can they, can it, can they be dealt again? You know, if everyone's cool with it, you can throw the cards back in, shuffle them up, deal them again, and maybe someone else is the traitor. Although I really think if you were like, oh no, no, I I absolutely don't want to be the traitor. Can we just shuffle again and throw all the cards back in? If you get it the second time and keep it, Oh God, that has to be the best bluff because no one would see that coming. They'd be like, "Man, they made us reshuffle the whole game just so they don't have to be the trader." I cannot believe they were the trader.
2: I think I do think that if you're, That's if you get, just yeah, if you get the trader, <laughs> if you get the trader, you're the trader. Like I would never, I would complain about some other reason, but I wouldn't complain that I just got the trader and that was the game.
1: I know, but you, like. If you if you don't want to play the trader and the trader is what ruins the game for you, then ask for a reshuffle. You know it's possible to avoid it. In yeah, but I think I think the, the, what
0: what about because uh, I just want to go back onto the the story and the kind of like what story is being told as players play the game, as the kind of focus because you know some people may not like traders or may. Like traders, even if it was six people li- who like the trader mechanic, does it kind of get in the way of the story that they're trying to say? Of like, uh, you know, in, especially in dead of winter. I, to per- personally, I don't think the trader mechanic should be so kind of focused in dead of winter. But I do understand that that's a really big part of surviving in a zombie apocalypse is that people can steal your bread. And <laughs> I don't want people stealing my bread. But does it take up? Does it take up too much focus on the on the kind of what happens through the game? Uh, but I do love the I love the end end reveal of who is the traitor mechanic that's really cool
1: yeah maybe it maybe it does take away a little bit but at the same time you know because there isn't always a traitor in dead of winter that it might just randomly be dealt and there is no one as a traitor i actually think it's it's one particular game that needs it because if you're all playing co-op against zombies it's very easy to get ahead of the game like you can have barricades up and you can section zombies off to areas and you if if you're all working together and there's you know there's no chance of being betrayed, it's not the most difficult game in the world. Like, yeah, you might lose, but for the most part, it's a kind of two to three hour game where there's no real excessive challenge or risk or anything like that. You know, you can you can play it safe, you can work together, but without the trader mechanic in Dead of Winter, maybe it's a bit simple now sure in other games it does it does kind of take away from it as you're focused just on the one VL rather than enjoying the game or the story or the the plot or whatever it may be but i think i think on the whole you know it usually adds something to it it, it improves the it improves the fun of it because i mean look at look at any zombie show that's been on there's always a person traitor in it. It always happens. And I feel like inevitably it would happen in the real world where people are just, you know, they're selfish and they're looking out for themselves. You know, they're not on the side of zombies. They're not rooting for the zombies, but they're looking out for themselves. And I feel like that's probably accurately how it would probably play out.
2: I'm disappointed yeah. in your version of humanity.
1: <laughs> I too am disappointed, but I prefer to think of myself as a realist.
0: Uh, I, I lo- Dead of Winter, you can also be a dog in it. Uh, I just want to mention that because that's awesome. So. The dog, when the dog's the betrayer, that's when it really hurts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I the, gave you hugs. The, the dog brought us gasoline it. instead of food. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, cool.
0: So, uh, Kira, do you have any solutions for these one versus many type of games out there? <laughs> other than not playing them? <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, I, I guess... I just like other style of games. I don't know that there needs to be a solution for this. Like, I can appreciate that other people like them. I just find that maybe something like King of Tokyo, where you can choose to be the person who's the betrayer, where you have more choices without it ruining the game, I think is is probably good. Because there are people who love to be the betrayer. Like, don't get me wrong. And... They don't mind that they're isolated from the other players and they quite enjoy getting to try and be as cruel as they can while still following the rules. And I think that that's great. I guess in that instance, I wouldn't mind that it wasn't an app. So like I'm not... I just, I, I haven't loved that scenario ever. So I don't know that there is like a solution. I definitely think having rules... To kind of constrain people from just being cruel definitely helps. Limited resources, limited amount of turns and actions. But things like In Descent... In Descent the person who is playing as the, the bad guy, there's only so much they can do in a turn. But they do have like the option of their bad guys respawn all the time and it can seem like an endless onslaught. But I, I don't think I'd like that. I know the irony because it's very similar to DMing and I like to DM. But <laughs> I, I think that the rules do limit that though, in, in how much I guess that the damage they can do if they're really enjoying it. And then if they don't enjoy it, I don't think I'd like to be I don't think I'd like to be the one in, in descent, the one be all.
0: Yeah, because in descent there is a specific rule that says if you're playing the descent and you're finding that players are struggling to win, maybe just take it easy on them. Which I love that rule, kind of showing that the whole point is to have fun. And although you can beat them, that shouldn't be your main goal. Which is cool, but it is a different approach than what I think people would expect from kind of Descent. Brian, do you have any tips for getting the most out of One versus Many? You like these kind of, a lot of these type of games, whether it's DMing or trader mechanics. Is there any tips?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, if, if you're playing on the co-op side of things, you're on the the team, you know, enjoy it, work well together, you know, even if there is a secret traitor in it, you know, enjoy the co-op side of it, like that games like Pandemic and that that are all cooperative are great fun because you're really working together. So if you are on the team, enjoy that element of it. If you're playing as the solo player, the one who's against the all, you know, just enjoy being super powerful or enjoy being sneaky or enjoy trying to cast doubt on who's the betrayer throughout the whole game. Like, a lot of games uh, that are one v all are, are quite well balanced so you do end up with you know there's a chance the one player will win there's a chance the team will win really just like in, enjoy the side you're playing because it it's rare to get a chance in a board game to either be a superpower who has a chance of beating five other players or to be a co-op against a player who you know has the ability to adapt to what you're doing so have fun. There you go. There's your yeah. <laughs> nice cheesy wrap up on that one.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, a cool, it's a cool concept to have uh, one versus all, especially in these kind of uh, places. You know, we have the thing you're talking about, like alpha gaming, having maybe the person who, who usually is an alpha gamer playing other types of board games, who's taking control, maybe make them the one versus all, and then, you know, see if all your friends can beat them. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't think that really works as well because it's just, it, it's not really as fun as it could be. Yeah, there's there's the only other example of a one versus all type of games are hidden movement games such as Letters from Whitechapel and Fury of Dracula. We we haven't really got a chance to get to grips with these kind of games. Does anybody have any opinions on these kind of games? Do
1: You know, it's it's funny. We were we were watching a video on the Fury of Dracula to try and see could we could we learn any more about it before this. And myself and Kira were sitting there watching it, and I was watching at the Will Wheaton. Uh, version of it and i was sitting there going this game looks amazing i really want to play this and kira sat there beside me going oh god no what are you talking about this game looks terrible really really kind of hammered home that we're definitely on the right sides of this debate
2: (laughs) yeah because brian at the end of the video seemed totally like i was like oh this is terrible and I, i looked over to say that to him and he was like so confused as to how we got such a different experience out of the same video we had just about watched
1: The edge of my seat. That was all I was using. The edge of the seat. The whole rest of the seat wasted. Just the edge.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Because games like that have a lot of improvisation, like we said before. And so if you're Dracula and you're trying to, you know, hide around Europe, you can't really simulate that in an app because people will just know where Dracula goes. So you need that kind of human element into it to be the one, to be Dracula. But then you also have the team of vampire hunters who are working together. So yeah, to, to, to figure out if you want to be a Dracula or not really depends on do you think you can beat the teamwork of all the other players? So yeah, it's a cool
1: concept. Mm. Well, I'm definitely going to have to get it now. <laughs> and
2: I'm not going to play with you. <laughs>
1: Damn it.
0: All right, so let's ask what do you think proves that one versus all either works or doesn't work? So Brian, do you have a game that proves how poorly one versus many can turn out? Uh, so it's the opposite for, side of what you're thinking.
1: For me, yeah, yeah. For me, kind of King of Tokyo is one that doesn't really work as a one for all. I actually did like your point, Kira, that, you know, you don't have to stay as the one player that you can switch back and forth between being the one or the all. But I don't think it works for the reason that as while you are the player who's in Tokyo, you know, you have to, you're, you're trying to survive the round so you can get bonus points. But at the same time, you're just hammered by the other players. Like all the players can just dedicate to attacking you and weakening you and killing you. And if you do survive, you end up spending the next two rounds maybe trying to just recover health rather than advancing yourself in the game. So by volunteering yourself as the one or by being volunteered, you end up kind of nearly set back in the game. There has to be nearly a balance of get in, get the points, get out, which is very hard to do in King of Tokyo. No, as a five and six player game, where you kind of have a second player in the city as well, it works a bit better because it's not just one getting hammered by all, but it's kind of two getting hammered by four, so it's not as devastating. But that that's one where kind of the one v all isn't balanced, but you don't have to stay as the one. You can, but you don't have to. So for me, that's a game where it it doesn't work well. It's a fun game, but the one v all doesn't work.
0: It's kind of a unique take on the one v all, taking that snippet of a mechanic in King of Tokyo, like the main mechanic in King of Tokyo, and and comparing it to one versus all. That's a really good idea. Kira, do you have an example of a game that uses one versus many really well, and what do you like about it?
2: So my example, funnily enough, for this was the exact same as Brian's example for the last question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I
2: think the King of Tokyo plays is a really enjoyable one v all game. I think it's like, so you have to agree to be the player in the middle for a long period of time. You might get thrown in there against your will for a short period, but you can leave pretty quickly. But for the people who like to stay in, they can stay in and attack everyone all they want. And their driving force seems to be to hit people as much as they can, or they really enjoy just doing that much damage. But it's more like it's a choice. So people who like that sort of, who want to be in the middle, can be in the middle. And it's not the only way to win the game. You can attempt to to uh, just outlive everyone else and focus on that and collecting energy, which I'd, I'm not so sure about the energy mechanic.
1: I know, but the killing each other is usually how it goes in King of Tokyo. I mean, how many games have we won by just getting the points? Usually it's just murder, murder, murder.
2: And usually it's the person who stays out of trouble. That wins. And I like that. <laughs> the person <of> who tried <laughs> to be good and not kill everyone you usually does a good job. I just think, That's I true. also think it's quite random. I think that you don't feel like you're the bad guy too much in it because you can just leave. And yeah, sure, you attack people, but you're never really trying to kill them because you're trying to kill everyone. You're not trying to kill... Like in some games where it's one v all you have to pick off each of the players individually, right? Like Betrayal of House in the Hill. Whereas in King of Tokyo, you're just generically mauling everyone because you're the king of Tokyo uh, and I like I like that kind of indiscriminate bad guy where you're not picking <laughs> out people it's it's a little more it's a little more broad you're just
1: everyone's collateral damage
2: exactly exactly and I like that the one v the one rotates
1: I think uh you meant you both of you have mentioned
0: this kind of idea of choice in one v a couple of times before obviously Brian you didn't in King of Tokyo, you're forced to go into King, of, uh, to be the king sometimes. And Carol likes the fact that you can choose. You sell a choice when you're forced to do it. But there's also plenty of times you guys have mentioned choice beforehand. Brian, do you think choice is... Uh, I, I don't really know how to kind of ask this question because you can't choose to be Dracula. You have to pick it beforehand. But say something like Dead of Winter, where instead of being given the traitor you know, user, you actually could choose to be a traitor halfway through the game or something like that. Would that make kind of one-for-all games... More
1: fun? um. You know, what? it actually might be an interesting addition to Dead of Winter where you can just flip to being a trader halfway through. It wouldn't work if you chose to be the trader at the start because, like, if you go, oh, I'll be the trader, yep, hands up, this guy over here, me, no one's going to trust you for the rest of the day. The yeah. But, yes, if but, like, there was if you got into- some benefit to flipping back and forth in and out of trader as it suits your individual Objective. Yeah, maybe. That that would be a that would be a very interesting addition to it.
2: I think even in Dare to Dream, where we rotated it, who was the nightmare and who wasn't, or the nightmare controller. Um I can't remember the terminology now. Uh but I think that 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 works okay because it was quite a short game and then you would only have to be the one for a short period of time. I think in, in Fury of Dracula the one thing that that looked like it had as advantage was the person has chosen... And descent. sorry. The person has chosen that. Like, own oh, you were the DM for dissent or the equivalent to the DM for descent. And I guess when I have the choice, it's probably not so bad. Like, I do like to DM. And that's because I'm choosing that. So, you know, I, I, uh, I could choose... I should have chosen not to run a campaign. I, I think that, that that makes a big difference. I just feel like where you don't get the choice it probably makes for, I find, a worse experience. Betrayal of in House the Hill or Dead of Winter. doesn't feel like if I was sitting down for the game and I really wanted to play Dead of Winter and fight zombies, and then I was like, well, I'm fighting zombies, but I'm kind of also screwing these people over. That wasn't what I sat down to play, so I don't like it as much.
0: Yeah, it's, 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 the, cho- the choice thing is a strange one. I've heard of DMs who, kind of like what you are talking about with King of Tokyo, Brian, instead of having one DM, it's two or three DMs. Uh, Very hard to conceptualize, but the DMs will have players and they'll play. But then when they go up to an NPC, it's like anybody can decide to play that NPC, which is a strange concept. They choose. So like you go up to the king and the king is like, you know, you know, some Sarah will like start discussing, uh, pretending to be the king. And then she'll be either like hostile or she'll be like, uh, you know, she'll have some sort of motivation. And it's like a shared... DM kind of thing where everyone chooses to play NPCs instead. Now, I, at the same works. time, those, those games never work out. It's always chaos because someone will just say, a giant dragon appears or a cave troll is now in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like any sort of improvisation thing. You kind of need a little bit of a structure, but um, it's a kind of a cool concept of, idea of choice and adding that in, which is, Yeah. Some kind of cool things to think about. So obviously we mentioned this very early on that the pandemic has an expansion called the Bioterrorists, which thematically, it doesn't sound so great, but you know it works as a game, as the expansion, where one person can then become the person that's spreading the disease across the world against a bunch of players. Can either of you think of games which would work well by adding in one versus many? A game that doesn't have it right now, whereas you put an expansion that says, hey, here's the one versus many expansion.
1: Uh, that's an interesting, you know, I'm, it's probably a bit out there, but I'm going to say terraforming Mars. I think that would actually be quite fun. If you could be the one as the planet, you're like, you're resisting the terraforming as you know humans have landed, they're making drastic sweeping changes to your surface and to your atmosphere and everything like that, that if, you know, the planet just had not even retaliation, but just reactions to the stuff the players are doing, like, you know, maybe a me- you could open a methane pocket that would reduce the O2 levels, or, you know, you could have glaciers that by heating up one area, it cools another area and you can decrease the temperature or, you know, like earthquakes and things like that, that, you know, affect habitats and that that the players have set up that you could have uh you know basically your the players are still trying to terraform they're trying to build their own habitats and set up whatever so they're still going for the individual win but the planet is also fighting back against them so the planet or the one player would win by delaying their terraforming enough that they can't they can't do it in in time but the players could still win by you know getting the oxygen and the temperature up enough that the planet is considered terraformed and then it goes to the individual winner because that's still an all v all game but you would also have an element of you have to cooperate because I think terraforming Mars the one that's always confused me is the temperature and the oxygen like you're raising them but once they get all the way up the game's over you know if you're behind the incentive is to not raise them if you're winning the incentive is to try and push it on so that the game ends quickly but if they're fighting against the planet working against them they have to cooperate but they also have to try and do their own thing
0: yeah interesting idea yeah i think that. Uh, work. You, could, you, you could also even have like a choice in there where players can, can become uh, environmentalists or whatever to prevent people from colonizing mars oh nice to <laughs> choose going uh, it, can, it, rem- it reminds me of a, a, a game called spirit island which is a multiplayer game where people are spirits on this island trying to prevent colonizers coming over. Obviously, it's not set in space, and it doesn't have like all the things that terraforming Mars does. But and it's not, that Spirit Island is not a one versus many as well. But that's a really cool idea of of having a of having a Mars be alive, yeah, and resistant to it. It's a cool idea.
1: So if that game is made and. Uh... I'm sorry, I feel like I should know who the manufacturers of Terraforming Mars are. If you do make that game, you know, just hit me up. I'll give you the address to send the check for the commission. Perfect, thanks.
0: (laughs) Okay, I think it's time now for closing statements. This is in reverse order of the opening statements. So up first is Kira.
2: So I still think that when we all... Isn't the the style of play for me? I don't think that I can be convinced that that big reveal is worth all the effort that having to be against the players that you've decided to spend your afternoon playing with brings about. So I I don't I I, I wasn't convinced to change my mind on this. I like to play co op and I like to play. The Brian brings up a good point of everyone against each other um, that normal board games are but i, I like yes, to be on, I, win. <laughs> I like to be on a level playing field and i just don't think that the extra mechanics always work the adding in rules for that one person versus the rest of the people i don't think that always works i just think it's a, it's a way around way around having a, a clever board game that can come up with rules that mean you don't need one person to to be the bad guy. Cool,
0: that's great. Uh, and the closing statement of
1: Brian. So I I agree that one v all you know isn't for everyone, but I do think the addition of like the extra element of strategy, uh, an improvement in replayability, and like a really well balanced game all adds to the fun adds to you know extra twists adds a bit of social deception you know it improves games that might otherwise not be the most challenging or uh the most interesting oh i won't mention any i, I love all board games etc uh but you know it, it adds it adds a certain element of fun strategy thinking to games and you know it if you don't even have to take my word for it. If you want to look back through the history books, you can see that one V All games have been hugely popular for a long time. Because like as the Musketeers used to say, one V all and all V one. And I will accept no correction on the pronunciation of any of that. It's close. Close. No, no, it's correct. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't realize. It's a while since I read the book, but pretty sure that's exactly how it goes. <laughs> so even the Musketeers were in favor of one V All games.
0: A lot of great ideas and opinions. Thank you very much for both of you for doing the debate and kind of sharing us what your ideas and and kind of really grappling with this issue. That pretty much wraps it up for this debate. So did your opinion change on one versus many board games? Who do you think won the debate? Does it make you want to play a one versus many board game? Comment on our social media to tell us and decide who won. If you enjoyed it, share it. We've been decking out some games. Thanks for listening. See ya.
1: Bye. Bye.